Good morning. Beautiful morning that the Lord has blessed us with today as we were reminded that we are still in January and it is still winter. Nice yesterday, wasn't it? Amen. 60-something degrees, that wind was out of south and blowing, and today it's switched out of the north, and it's coming just as strong out of that way, and it's bringing some mist with it, and God is good, amen? All the time, yeah, even when it's warm and cold. Today is a day of rejoicing. Today is a day of festivities. The uh, Bible tells us this, that, uh, that, that heaven celebrates. They celebrate when a new life comes to Christ. And we are blessed today with Brody and Laney following the example of Jesus into the waters of baptism. Now, I've been testing this water all morning. I come up at 8, turn the hot water on. So, Brody, Laney, we're going to be good. We're going to be good because it was colder than the Dickens this morning. But it's a, it is a blessing that God has blessed us with today. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and turn to the text for today. It is, again, New Beginnings Part 4, as we close out this series today, and it'll be from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Amen. New Beginning Part 4. As we've come through January, we've had a four-part series here on the book of Genesis about new beginnings and how, how God gives us that opportunity for new beginnings. We find out from the past three messages, and we'll find out today as well, that we as people, as flesh, as human beings, are prone to poor decision making. We're prone to uh, destructive tendencies as far as our decision making goes, and God is a God of grace, and God is a God of mercy, and God is a God of new beginnings. We serve a God of not just second chances, but third and fourth, and I'm probably on about 967 at this point in time, but God always is there for us with that new beginning. And as we close out this series today, uh, it, we're going to explore Genesis chapter 11. And we'll look at three points within the Word of God today from our text today. And today's message that reveal number one, point number one today we're going to look at is the motive. And point number two, we're going to look at the materials. And point number three, we're going to look at the mess made at the Tower of Babel. As always, I'm thankful and blessed for the opportunity that God gives me to share His Word with you today. I'm thankful and amazed at His amazing grace in my life. Thankful for you, each and every one of you, that God's grace has made a difference in your lives as well. And you're daily walking in that grace, which is abundant. You're daily walking in His mercies, which are renewed this a.m. And that's the amazing thing about God's mercies is tomorrow in the a.m., His mercies are renewed again because His mercies are renewed every morning. Thankful for the opportunity to, to see young lives and the road that God has in store for these young lives as they follow the example of Jesus into the waters of baptism today. Tina, where else would rather be than right here, right now? All right. Ricky, who's got it any better than we do? Amen. Good job. All right. The New Beginning Part 4 as we close out this series. One of my favorite movies as a kid growing up was The Wizard of Oz. Amen. It's different back then because you, you got to see the Wizard of Oz one time a year. And if you missed it, it was 365 days till you got that opportunity again. And I still am scarred mentally from those flying monkeys. <laughs> but I loved that when I was a kid. I still like to watch one of Zoe's favorite movies. One of my favorite lines from the Wizard of Oz is, is when the scarecrow tells Dorothy this, I haven't got a brain, just straw. And Dorothy replies to him, she says, well, how can you talk if you don't have a brain? And the scarecrow thinks about it a little bit, and he says this, he says, I don't know. 
But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? And Dorothy agrees and says, yes, I guess you're right. So she poses this question to him. She says this to the scarecrow, what would you do if you had a brain? There are a few times I've wanted to ask people in my life that exact question. And that exact question has been asked into my life far too many times. Amen. But my question for us this morning is just a bit different than that. My question for us today is this. What would you do with a fresh start if you had one? If you were presented the opportunity to begin again today, if you had a clean slate, a new beginning, what would you do with it? Again, the last several weeks, we have been talking about new beginnings in, in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis 1, we saw the beginning of everything and, and God's creation. And we see that, again, from first time we, the first message, we saw, number one, the power. And number two, the planning. And number three, the product of God. And then in Genesis 3, in the second week of this, we saw the deceptive character of sin. Point number one, the destructive consequences of sin point number two, and the divine covering of sin, point number three. And even though Adam and Eve had blown it, God covered them with His grace and gave them a fresh start. And then in the third installment we had last week, not long after that in Genesis 6-9, we find the story of the flood. And human wickedness had grown, uh, grown each and every year in that. Every inclination of their hearts was only evil all the time, but even then, God wouldn't give up on us completely. He kept Noah and his family safe on the ark. And then placed the rainbow in the sky as a symbol of God's patience, God's promise, and God's peace. All humanity had a clean slate, a second chance. They had a new beginning to get things right. But what did they do with that second chance? What did they do with that clean slate? What did they do with that new beginning to get things right? What would you do with a fresh start? What would you do with a new beginning if you had one? Let me invite you to Genesis chapter 11. Just a few turns of the page after God gave Noah and his family a fresh start. And we see how the next generation... In God's word used it. So if you're at Genesis chapter 11 verses 1 through 9. Go ahead and stand. And we'll read God's word this morning. And Genesis chapter 11. Verse 1 through 9 tells us this. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed past from the east. That they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And then they said to one another Come. Let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they are, have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down, down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. And therefore its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face 
of the earth. Father, thank you for your word today, Lord, and thank you, Father, for the Lord lessons, Lord, that uh, lie within today's message. Father, thank you for these lives that are here today, Lord, and thank you, Lord, praise your name for the new lives, Lord, that are, that are going to start this walk with you in their lives. Lord, I pray your blessing upon your word today. I pray your blessing upon our understanding of it, Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit would have its way within your service today, within our lives, within our hearts. Lord, all praise, all glory, all honor is yours this day and every day. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we've read about the, the Tower of Babel here, and this construction project has gone down in history as one of humanity's most epic failures. It's been told and retold in dozens of cultures around the world. The Babylonians, the Chinese, the Hawaiians, the Toltec Indians, and many more tell their own version of this great failure. So what can we learn from their mistakes? Now, it's important that we learn from mistakes. What can we learn from their mistakes today? And first, let's, number one, let's look at point number one, their motive. Number one point today, their motive. The Bible doesn't go very deep. It doesn't go very deep uh, looking into the motivations of the people of the city here. But a lot of ancient commentaries have chimed in on the subject. Within the book of Jubilees, for instance, they say that the people built the tower in order to ascend on it into heaven. And there's a, a, a Jewish text commentary that goes even further saying that the people not only wanted to ascend into heaven, but they wanted to pierce heaven. So that is, they wanted to wage war against heaven and therefore wage war against God. Now, whatever their goal, I think the motive is summed up in one word here. It is summed up in this thing that we still struggle with today, and that is pride. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. They had bought into the same lie that Satan had whispered to Eve back in the garden. It's the same lie that he whispers to us today, you will be like God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. And that's what they wanted to achieve. Psychotherapist Naomi Rosenblatt writes this. She says, every generation builds its own towers. And she's right. Whether it's the actual skyscrapers that we build in our huge cities like the Sears Tower or the Eiffel Tower or, or the Empire State Building or mega corporations that circle the globe, the idea is still the same. We will make a name for ourselves. The Bible warns us. The Bible warns us about this kind of attitude. It says in Proverbs 16, 18, that pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. There's a story uh, about, uh, about a, uh, uh, two ducks in a certain pond. You're going to like this, Ron, duck hunter. There's a story about two ducks in a certain pond, and they had a best friend, and their best friend was a frog. They were neighbors. They were best of friends. They played together all day long during the summertime. But as the cold drew near... And the water started to dry up. The ducks realized that they would have to move. This would be easy for them. They had wings. Not a big deal. But what about their dear friend, the frog? Finally, they decided that they would put a stick in the bill of each of the ducks. And then the frog would hang on to that stick with his mouth. And there they could take him and fly him to a different location. Fly their friend to another pond. And so they did. 
It's a sight to behold. These two ducks are flying through the air. They got a stick in their bills. They got a frog hanging on the middle of it. And they fly over a farmer's house. And the farmer looks up and he says to his wife, Honey, look at that. What a great idea. I wonder who thought of that. Proudly, the frog said, I did. And thus illustrated the great lesson in life that pride comes before a fall. You see, we shouldn't use the opportunities that God gives us to glorify ourselves. We must use those opportunities that God gives us to bring glory to God. We must glorify God. He's the only one who can truly make our name great anyway. He promised to do that very thing to Abraham, saying, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing in Genesis 12, chapter 2. Today, can you name me one single person who, who had a hand in building the, bower, the Tower of Babel? But everybody knows the name and the deeds of Abraham. There's a vast difference between mankind saying we will make a na- our name great and God saying, I will make your name great. Let us use the opportunities we have to glorify God rather than ourselves. Now let's look at, at, at their materials. And that's point number two for today, the materials. The towers was that, that, that they've built in Babel was probably known as a ziggurat. You ever heard that term before? Thank goodness, because I may not be pronouncing it right, but as far as you know, I am. It's a ziggurat. Archaeologists have evacuated several of these large structures which were primarily used for religious purposes. A ziggurat was built like a pyramid, except that they had successive levels that were recessed so you could walk on the top on the steps, and at the top they had a special shrine dedicated to some god or some goddess. Of course, before they could build this tall tower, they needed the proper materials, and the Bible tells us in Genesis 11, chapter 3, they said to each other, Come. Let us make oven-fired bricks, and they used brick for the stone and asphalt for the mortar. And with these oven-fired bricks and mortar, they planned to build a tower that reaches to the heavens. They just kept stacking brick upon brick upon brick, but no matter how high the tower reached, it would never be high enough. It would never be enough. Now, sadly, Some people live their lives just like that. Christopher Winans in his book, uh, Malcolm Forbes, A Man Who Had Everything, tells of a motorcycle tour that Forbes took through Egypt in 1984 with his capitalist tool motorcycle team. After viewing the staggering burial tomb of King Tut, Forbes seemed to be in a reflective, melancholy mood as they were returning to the hotel on a shuttle bus. Forbes turned to one of his associates and looked him in the eye and asked with all sincerity, Do you think I'll be remembered when I die? Forbes is remembered. He is remembered as a man who coined the phrase, He who dies with the most toys wins. In fact, that was his ambition. That's why he collected scores of motorcycles. That's why he owned castles and hot air balloons and countless other toys that he can no longer access because this is a great truth you cannot Take it with you when you die. Bob Russell tells a story about a rich man who was determined to take his wealth with him. He came up with a great plan. 
He told his wife to get all of his money together, put it in a sack, and then hang the sack from the rafters in the attic. And he says, when I die and my spirit is caught up, I'll grab the sack on the way up. Well, she did that. He eventually died. She raced to the attic only to find that the money was still hanging from the rafters there. She snapped her fingers and said this, I knew I should have put that sack in the basement. It took him a while to get that one, didn't it, Lynn? Jesus warns us, do not put our hope in material things. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 19-21. Jesus made it clear that having the wrong treasures leads to having a wrong heart. Being in that wrong heart, being in the wrong place. And rather than stacking brick upon brick of material possessions, we need to be investing in the kingdom of heaven. By doing God's work, by building His kingdom with spiritual bricks, Martin Luther once said this. He said, I've held so many things in my hands. And he said, I've lost every one of them. But whatever I've placed in God's hands, he said this, those I still possess. So when God gives us a clean slate, when God gives us that new beginning, let's use it to store up treasures in heaven rather than building castles in the sand. And point number three, finally, let's look at that today. Point number three is their mess. The mess. Babel conceded this. They said, let's go up. They, they thought, let's go up was the answer to, to, to was what they were wanting to do. And God's, God's calm uh, words are this, let's go down. God said, come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other in Genesis 11, verse 7. In doing so, in confusing their language, everything fell apart. Construction came to a halt. Their plans were foiled. And in the end, they were forced to fan out into smaller groups that could actually understand each other. You see, they begrudgingly surrendered to God's plan. And thus, the world was populated with diverse new cultures and civilizations. And even though their actions and their attitudes made a mess of things, God showed Great compassion. And God showed great mercy. By confusing their language and scattering them across the earth, God graciously spared their lives and gave them another new beginning. Now this story goes to show us that sometimes, and this is a great truth, sometimes God has to destroy something in order to build something. He's got to destroy something to build something better. London business, uh, businessman Lindsay Clegg told the story of a warehouse property that he was selling. The building had been empty for quite some time. It needed repairs. The windows were broken. They'd, vandals had come in there and they'd smashed the doors and thrown trash all around the interior. He showed a, pers a prospective buyer the property and Clegg took pains to ensure the buyer, the prospective buyer, that he would replace the broken windows. He would bring in a crew to correct any structural damage. He would clean out the garbage. But the buyer told him this. He said, forget about all those repairs. He says, forget about all that. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. 
I don't want the building, he said. I want the site. Compared to the renovation that God has in mind, our efforts to improve our own lives are as trivial as sweeping a warehouse slated for the wrecking ball. When we become gods, the old life is over. He makes all things new. Amen? All He wants is the sight. And the sight that God wants is you and me. And permission to build. This type of new beginning is common in the construction world. It's called this controlled demolition. Controlled demolition. When a building becomes structurally unsound and dangerous, a team of experts use strategically placed explosives to implode that building. They did this in Springfield a few years back with twin buildings called the, the Sankey High Rise buildings. They cleared the surrounding area. Emergency personnel filled the streets. Then at 10.30 a.m., a series of explosions imploded the first building, and down it came. At 10.30 a.m., the second building explosives exploded, but it still stood. To everyone's surprise, it didn't collapse. The same explosives were used, but the second building stubbornly clung to life for eight more hours before finally giving way and imploding upon itself. Now, I think a lot of us have buildings like that in our lives. Structures that we stubbornly, stubbornly hang on to. God wants to clear those out. God wants to clear those buildings away so that He can build something better in their place. If we are living in rebellion to God, maybe we've been resisting His leadership in our lives or clinging to some secret sin. He will give us a second chance. But if we keep on being stubborn, if we keep on clinging to those things, if we keep on being hard-headed, don't be surprised when God starts blowing stuff up until we finally surrender our will and accept His leadership. And then, and only then, will we really be able to experience that new beginning that we've talked about for these past four weeks. Now let me wrap this up. So, back to my original question. What would you do with a fresh start if you had one? And you can have one today. What would you do with a fresh start if you had one? What would your answer be? Let's learn from the people of Babel's mistakes. Let's build our towers from point number one, the right motivation. Rather than storing up, uh, uh, seeking God's glory instead of our own. And let's work with point number two, the right materials. Storing up treasures in heaven rather than on earth. And let's point number three. Let's try to avoid the mess that they got themselves into by surrendering our will to Him and doing things God's way. What would you do with a new beginning if you had one? Maybe you're right in the middle of your own mess right now. Maybe you're right in the middle of your own mess today. And maybe you could use a, a fresh start. Maybe you could use a clean slate. Maybe you could use a new beginning.
Well, I got good news for you. You're in the right place today. God is ready to give you one. All you got to do is ask for His forgiveness. Is ask for His grace. And ask for His mercy. All you got to do is ask for Jesus. And you can begin again today. Now, as we come back and as we prepare for the baptism, as we, you're going to sing a couple songs, ask. Ask. Ask for His forgiveness. Ask for His grace. Ask for His mercy. Ask for Jesus. Because I promise you this, the Bible is true. If you ask from God, you will receive.